into the message. I'm so excited about uh, this message this morning because I really feel like it's going to set some of you free from stuff that you've held on to for a long, long time. And so before we get to the good part, let's start laying down some foundation here. How many people here have ever been caught doing something wrong? Put your hand up. Those that haven't put your hand up, you obviously were never a child who was told not to eat the chocolate cake, but ate it anyway. And then when your mother said to you, have you been eating the chocolate cake? You probably said no, even though it was all over your face. Yes? It's like those... those uh, YouTube clips where you see mums talking to their kids and they've got marker pen all over their face and it's all over the wall and they say to them, have you been using the marker pen? No. You know, you know those moments where you get caught doing something, you know you're busted, but you try to talk your way out of it anyway. Has anybody had a lot of those experiences in their lifetime? I see that hand, John Tana. Um, anyone else? I'm just joking. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about someone who got busted. And it's in John 8, verse 2 to 3 is where we start. And it says, At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach him. And the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, brought in a woman caught in adultery. I want you to get a picture of this today because here's Jesus teaching. So there was a lot of people around him. Remember one day he fed 5,000 men plus women and children. So you can imagine there's a lot of people around Jesus in this moment. And then these Pharisees, the religious idiots of the day, find this woman, catch her caught in adultery and drag her before Jesus in front of all these people in the middle of his teaching. Can you imagine what's going on in this woman's world right now? She, she was caught in the act of adultery. So she could be completely and totally naked or maybe partially clothed, but I can tell you what is happening right now in this moment for her, and that is she feels totally and completely shamed in this moment. I, I find it hard, this part of Scripture, because how many people know it takes two to commit adultery? So where's the guy? A little bit of a double standard there by these so-called religious people. This woman is totally shamed. She's guilty. She's absolutely guilty. She was caught in the act of it. And you can only imagine what voices of condemnation are starting to whirl around in her head in that moment. Stuff that comes to mind for me would be your life is ruined Nobody's ever going to trust you. All the women are going to talk about you. They're going to keep their husbands away from you. You're supposed to be a Christian. After what you did, how could God ever love you? You're used goods. You're pathetic. You're worthless. You're nothing. Those voices of condemnation, those voices of guilt, those voices of shame that would run through her mind. In fact, here's the crazy thing about shame is you don't even have to be caught in the act for you to feel shame. You don't even have to be caught doing something wrong for you to feel shame. Sometimes the greatest place for shame to grow is in the darkness of your thoughts where nobody else knows what you have done. The shame can grow so incredibly dark in those moments. 
It's when you're holding something secret that you really feel guilty about and you feel shame about that sometimes it grows the most. And I don't want to talk this morning, I'm going to talk through this story this morning, but I don't, I don't want to talk just about sexual sin, even though she's caught in adultery, because I believe that shame attaches itself to all sin. It's, it's just that in this case, this is what she was doing. And the reality is, is that as I'm talking about this and as I'm talking about the thoughts that must be going through her head, the sense of shame and guilt and condemnation, every single one of us actually understand exactly what I'm talking about. You know those voices that overcome you on occasions, that speak to you on occasions, that condemn you for things that you've done and tell you that you're worthless, that you're nothing, that you're never going to overcome this problem that you have, that you're just a horrible person. You know, for you, it may not be a sexual sin. Maybe it's, maybe it's your overspending. You know, you, you're going through a season in life and you're not feeling too good about yourself. And so you decide that the way to make you feel better about yourself is to go to Kmart. See a lot of women just hanging their heads in shame right now. No, just joking, just joking. You know what I mean, though. You, you feel the sense of emptiness, the sense of loneliness, the sense of something. And so even though you can't afford it, what you decide to do is to go out and spin like crazy, yeah? And you buy all this stuff and you hope that it makes you feel good until you get all the bills. And then you start to feel guilty and shameful about it. And you start saying things like, I'm never, ever going to do that again. Until about five weeks later when you're feeling lonely and you're feeling worthless and you're not feeling like you're worth anything. And so you think by going and spending money that you're going to feel good about yourself again. Maybe for you it's not overspending. Maybe for you it's a substance that has got you and there's something in a bottle or something in a can or something that you have to have because when you are feeling like you are nothing and you're feeling like you're worthless and then you do this and then you go to this dark place where you feel guilt and you feel shame and you feel like you're condemned because of it. Maybe some of you, it's your temper. You know what I'm talking about. You unload on the kids and then you think to yourself, I am never, ever going to do that again. I'm never going to unload on my kids again. I'm not going to take my frustrations out on them again. I'm never going to do it again until three days later. Or the one that really, really breaks my heart where shame and guilt and condemnation comes. The one that I think breaks my heart the most is when you didn't do anything but something was done to you. And somehow, someone in a position of power and authority where you're purely the victim abused you and took advantage of you and yet you've internalized the shame of something that was done to you and somehow in your mind, Satan has twisted the events and you think, well, I must have deserved it. I must have done something wrong. I must, it's my fault. I'm dirty. I'm bad. I brought this on myself. You take what someone else did to you and you think that what they did to you is who you are. And the shame and the condemnation and the guilt starts to come upon you and before long you start living your life where you think because I did bad I am bad or because somebody did something bad to me I am bad and I am worthless and so for her this woman 
caught in a, it gets better, trust me. This woman caught in adultery, it, it's worse than that. It's worse than a sense of worthlessness. It's worse than a sense of guilt, shame, and condemnation because she knows that under the law at the time, she should be killed. So her fear is right now, she literally is fearing for her life because she knows that they want to kill her. And she understands that back in that day, that adultery was considered in the Jewish culture to be one of the top three worst sins, and it was a crime punishable by death. And here she has been brought and dragged literally almost to a trial in the public space, and she's actually thinking, my life is literally over. And the story goes on, and it says, They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now, what do you say? Here's the thing about this whole thing that so makes me hate on religious people. Because we're not religious, we have a relationship with Jesus. It's different. They, They don't actually give us stuff about this girl. They're using her to try and trick Jesus. They're using her as leverage to try and hurt and trick and trap Jesus. Because if he says, yeah, you're right, that's what the law says, go ahead, stone her, then he would lose his reputation as being loving and full of mercy. But yet on the other hand, if he turned around and he said, no, Let's not act too quickly. We should forgive her and let her go. Then they'll say, oh, Jesus is condoning adultery. And he's saying it's okay to break the law of Moses. They're just trying to trick him. And it says that in verse 6, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. I want you to picture this for a moment because we've got this woman here partially clothed, if not clothed at all, full of shame. She's hurting. She's embarrassed. She's barely clothed. She should be stoned. And they're asking her, asking Jesus, hey, should we stone her? And Jesus' response is just to bend down and start writing on the ground. He just kneels down and starts writing in the dust. And the the question that we all have is, what is he writing? And you've probably heard this story before if you've been around church long enough. It doesn't actually say in the Bible exactly what he was writing, but most biblical scholars suggest that what he was writing down were the sins of the men that were accusing the woman. And the reason why biblical scholars believe this is because in latter texts of of written historical events, it actually says that that's what Jesus did. And then in verse 7, it says, When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, here's the crazy thing. The English language ain't that great at translating the Greek, which is what the New Testament is written in. And the Greek here for anyone who is without sin literally means not only without sin, but have never wanted 
to sin. There's a standard and a half. Hey, not only those who have not sinned, but those who have not wanted to sin, because I don't know about you, I'll just be honest this morning, this probably doesn't apply to you. It probably just applies to me. But there have been moments where I have not sinned, where I have wanted to. I know, it doesn't apply to you guys, it's just just me. It's just me that that applies to. There have been times where I have wanted to, but I didn't. And sometimes you want to, but you don't. And so this is not just if you've never sinned, Jesus is saying to him, but he's saying you can throw a stone not only if you've never sinned, but if you've never wanted to, if you've never thought about it, if it's never come across your mind, then you can throw a stone. I love how Jesus is sorting these guys out with their own medicine coming back at them. He goes on in verse 8 and it says again, Jesus, after he says that, he doesn't wait to see what the response is. He's not even really paying any attention to the woman right now who's in the center of all of this. It just says that again, Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first. I'm not sure why the older ones left first. Maybe he started with them because they had more sins to record. I'm not sure. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And he said, neither do I condemn you. You see, here's a woman, she's caught. She, she fears dying. The men are asking, hey, Jesus, the law says that we should stone her. Shall we stone her? He, he, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say no. He doesn't say yes. He just stoops down and starts writing in the dirt. And then he stands up and basically says, okay, guys, here's the deal. You can throw a stone, no problem whatsoever, as long as you've never sinned and never wanted to sin. Then you can throw a stone. Then he stoops down and keeps writing in the sand again. And they all walk away. And Jesus is there with this broken woman who is guilty. She's guilty. She's sinful. She's completely in the wrong. And Jesus says to a woman, where are they? And she says, they're gone. No one's condemned me. They're gone. And she probably answered this through tears and huge emotion. And Jesus says to her, well, I don't condemn you either. Now, here's the thing about this story that you need to understand is that without a shadow of doubt, this woman deserved condemnation. She was sinful. She was wrong. But because of the love and the grace of Jesus, He did not give her what she deserved, but instead of giving her condemnation, he gave her mercy. Instead of giving her what she deserved, he gave her 
mercy. See, we get confused sometimes between the mercy of God and the grace of God. The grace of God doesn't save us from what we deserve. The grace of God gives us what we don't deserve, but it's the mercy of God, the mercy seat that covers the sin. It's His mercy that saves us from what we do deserve. Grace just gives us what we don't deserve. And in this moment, this woman deserved condemnation. You and I deserve condemnation for the things that we've done, but God doesn't give us what we deserve, but He gives us mercy instead. And I want you to hear this this morning, if you hear nothing else, because I saw this this week in a way that I never have before. In Romans 8, 1, it says, Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Come on, now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Not after you've had counselling, not after you've got your ducks in a row, not after you've sorted your life out, not after you've put everything correct that you've got wrong, but now, therefore, now there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're struggling with stuff. It doesn't matter if you're repeating stuff that you don't want to repeat. If you're in Jesus, there's no condemnation now. Not later. Not after you've got your stuff sorted out, but now. Now, not later. Not after counselling. Not after you prove yourself. But now there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Even though you may have done wrong, even though you may deserve condemnation, you don't have to wear guilt, shame and condemnation because now there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And when those voices in your head start saying, you're used goods, you're pathetic, no one will ever love you. You're always going to be this way. You can't overcome this thing you're struggling with. You've tried for too long and it hasn't worked. You're just that way. You don't have the ability to break through this. You're bad. God doesn't love you. God could never use you. God could never forgive you. This is just the way you are. I want you to remember this one thing. You are not what you do. Your worth is in not what you do. Your worth is in Him. Your worth is in God. You are not what the voices say you are. You're not what the people say you are. You're not what others say you are. You are who Christ says you are. And Christ says that you're an overcomer. Christ says that you're above and beyond. Christ says that you're forgiven. Christ says that you're being set free. Christ says there's no condemnation for you now in Christ Jesus. Christ does not point out your faults and your failings. He points out His mercy. And He says, hey, you deserve this, but I'm going to give you this because your mercy is what you need. The mercy will heal you. The mercy will set you free. Condemnation and guilt and shame doesn't set anyone free. It just binds them all the more. And these religious people just wanted her put to death. They wanted her bound by her behaviors. And Jesus said, hey, I got a different way. It's called my mercy. It's called my mercy. And if you are in Christ, you are forgiven. You are free. You're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. You are not your past. You are not what somebody did to you. You are not what you did because now, therefore now, 
There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Some of you need to say to yourself right now in your seat, maybe internally if you don't want to say it out loud, but some of you have got stuff that you've been dealing with and battling with and you feel like you just keep repeating yourself over and over again and there's so much guilt and there's so much shame and there's so much condemnation attached to your world because of that. Some of you need to do a yelling silent now on the inside of you. Now. There's no condemnation, there's no guilt, there's no shame in Christ Jesus. Some of you today need to make a decision. I'm not going to live with this anymore. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. I'm not going to listen to the lies of the enemy anymore. I'm not going to let those things dictate me anymore because I know who I am in Christ. And yes, I'm on a journey. And yes, I'm not perfect. And yes, I've got stuff going on. But look at this woman. She had stuff going on. And it wasn't condemnation, but it was mercy. You see, the Bible says this, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God doesn't ask you to confess what's going on in your world because he wants to condemn you. He asks you to confess because that's the path to forgiveness and mercy and love. See, he didn't come to, we love John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But do you know John 3.17? For he did not come into the world to condemn the world but to set it free, basically. You see, there's no condemnation here in this story. Jesus even looks at her and and he declares to her, go now. Go now and leave your life of sin. Be free. You've overcome this. You're not in bondage anymore. You see, I used to read that story as Jesus going, okay, I forgive you. Now stop being naughty and start being good. I forgive you. I'm not going to condemn you this time. But go now and sin no more. In other words, you behave yourself from now on. Does that sound like parenting in your house? I'll let you off this time, but you do that again. Hey, am I speaking to anyone this morning? I used to think it was like, okay, I forgive you. Go now, stop being bad. But, but I, I know Jesus' character now, and you know Jesus' character now if you've been around long enough and been part of his kingdom long enough. And Jesus wasn't saying it like that. He was saying, go now and be free. Go now. There's no condemnation. You don't have to live with the shame of this. You don't have to live with the guilt of this. You don't have to go back to that life that you were living. You don't have to live in condemnation. Go now. Be free. Go now. He didn't say, well, you're going to need to do six months of counseling for this because you've got daddy issues and because your daddy wasn't there for you and you're finding love in all the wrong places. He didn't say that, did he? He didn't say that. He said, he said, go now. Go now. Be free. Be overcome. I want you to listen to me right now for those that are here and those that are online. I want you to understand something. There are some things of you right now, something's going on, and you think that you're always going to be that way, that you're never, ever going to overcome 
what you're going through, that you can't be healed, that you can't be set free, that you can't change. You've tried and you've tried again and nothing has shifted for you. Some of you, you're trapped in a sin that has held you hostage for years and you just keep going through this repetitive cycle of, of saying, God, forgive me, I'm never going to do that again. And the right time and the right environment, you do it again. We all go through that. But I believe this. I believe the reason why he says, Go now. I believe the reason why it says, therefore, now there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus is because one minute in the presence of Jesus can change everything. One minute in his presence, one minute of somebody saying, hey, I'm going to go now. One now from God changes everything. When can it change? I'm telling you, it can change right now, today, in this moment, in this room, right there in your seat, you can have it. You don't have to wait to the end of the service. Right now, therefore, now there is no condemnation. Go now, sin no more. Right now in His presence, that's, that which is held you hostage can change right now. That addiction can be broken right now. Yes, sometimes. There's a process attached to these things, but sometimes Jesus does it right now. And now, therefore, he says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. He's saying to her, go forth, go now, go now and be free. Go now and be free from this life of sin. And here's something that I hope you grab hold of this. I never realized the connection to the next verse. You see, Jesus didn't do anything by coincidence. Usually something he did beforehand gave us an indication of what the next thing he said really meant. Do you want to know what he says next? John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never Walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. A woman caught in adultery should get condemnation, gets mercy. Go now, be free, because I'm the light of the world. And anybody who walks in me will never experience darkness again, but they will have the light of light. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never fall into darkness again. You never have to be in that darkness again. When Jesus said, where is your condemners? Neither do I condemn you. At that moment, Jesus wasn't just the light of the world, but Jesus became the light of her world. He wasn't just the light of the world. He became the light of her world. And when he becomes the light of your world, then you don't need to walk in darkness again when he becomes the light of your world. I think we've got too many Christians that live with Jesus as the light of the world instead of Jesus being the light of my world. Because when Jesus is the light of my world, his promise is that I never have to walk in darkness again. I don't have to walk in the condemnation and the shame and the guilt and the stuff that's going on behind the scenes because when he becomes the light of my world, I don't have to walk in darkness again. Jesus is no longer just the light of the world, but when he becomes the light of your world, you never have to walk in darkness again because he overcame sin. He defeated it. There is no sin in your life that is more powerful than the grace of Jesus Christ. 
If you do fall back into it, if you do stuff up again, and if those voices come back condemning you again, saying you're nothing, saying you're not good, saying that God doesn't love you, you need to say, no, that is a lie. The truth will set you free. And the truth is not a piece of paper. The truth is a person and his name is Jesus. And Jesus sets us free. When we deserve condemnation, he gives us mercy. When we deserve to feel guilt and shame, he sets us free. He doesn't hold on to our sins, but he removes them. As far as the east is from the west, he throws them into the lake of forgetfulness to remember them no more. It's the voices of guilt and shame that remember your sin, not God. And he says, therefore, now. Oh, there's a break in the voice. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I think we sometimes forget what Jesus is saying sometimes. You see, God isn't love. God is. God God doesn't do love, God is love. God doesn't do truth, God is truth. God doesn't do life, God is life. Come on. Jesus is the truth. And the truth is for you and I is that we are forgiven. The truth is is that by his stripes I'm healed. The truth is, is the power in me is greater than the power around me. The truth is because he's my light of my world, darkness never wins. I can go now. I can be like that lady caught in adultery. I can be free. I'm not held hostage by the things that have been done to me or by the things that I've did. I'm not hostage anymore to my own guilty feelings because of what I did wrong. Because now, 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 therefore, now there is no condemnation or guilt or shame for those that are in Christ Jesus. Go now, live free. Where are those that condemn you? I don't condemn you over. Go now, live free. Be free. Don't sin anymore, but be free in what I have given you. Be free in the mercy and the grace and the goodness of God because the goodness of God, Jesus does not give us what we deserve. And if Easter means anything, it's about what God giving us what we don't deserve. We deserve condemnation, but He gives us mercy because He's the light of the world. And here's the thing. In him, there is no darkness. So if he's the light of my world, then my world can't have any. Are you hearing me? You flick the light switch on in a dark room and darkness flees, yes? You flick the light of Jesus on in your life and darkness flees. Come on. These are not nice words. These are his promises. I am the light of the world, and in me there is no darkness. It's not just a nice saying. It's not just cute songs that we sing. That is for you, that is with you, that is around you, behind you, in front of you. Those aren't pretty words. Those are promises. Those are truth. Those are His Word. Whenever we follow the light of the world, we never have to walk in darkness again. That's why now you can find the healing. Now you can go your way and sin no more. Because that's how good our God is. Now.
now. Now. Not tomorrow. Not when you get home and think about what's been said. Not after a discussion with your counsel. I'm not saying that those things are bad. I'm just saying we have a now moment right now. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather have a now moment in the presence of God than spend six months in counseling. Starters, it'll save you a lot of money. I'd rather have a now moment right here, right now with God than walk out those doors with the weight of guilt and shame and condemnation upon me. I'd rather have a now moment moment with God and know that I'm loved and that I'm cherished and that I'm of worth than to leave thinking I'm worthless and that nobody loves me and I'm not good enough. I'd rather have a now moment any day of the week than anything else. I'd rather have God say to me, go now, be free. He's not a God who condemns. I can tell you this right now. You don't want to follow a God that condemns you. You've got enough people in your world that condemn you. And that's just being honest, isn't it? You've got plenty of people, family and friends, that'll tell you all the faults and the failings that you have. You don't need Jesus to tell you as well. What you need is a God that says, hey, where are those that condemn you. I don't condemn you either because I'm not the God that gives you what you deserve. I'm the God that gives you what you need and what you need right now, lady, is not a condemning voice, but the mercy, the mercy, the mercy of a loving, great, good God. And what you need right now It's not another voice in your head, but you need to, like this woman, surrender yourself to the goodness and the mercy and have a now moment in your week. Why don't we just close?